Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode four of the Hot Corner, presented by the Hot Takes Network. Matthew Watson could not make it here again today. However, I'm not left empty-handed as we have the co-founder of the Hot Takes Network, Ben Jackson, here, who is the host of the weekly episode of the Hot Takes Only. Welcome, Ben. Welcome to the podcast. Carmi, I'm excited to be here, man. Thanks for uh, having me on. I've loved what you guys have done so far with the Hot Corner. Some fantastic content, some fantastic analysis. Very excited to get into not only the Blue Jays, but also some exciting news from around the MLB over the last week. So. Uh, a lot of news over the last week. The last time I appeared on the Hot Takes Only, I was on episode 14, and I predicted the Blues won the Stanley Cup and the Raptors winning the NBA Finals. A little bit of a flex there to start off the episode, but uh, definitely check the Hot Takes Only segment out. Uh, it's also available on the Hot Takes Network website. Uh, also, shout out to my brother. It's his birthday today. Uh, so oh, happy, happy birthday, birthday to Brad. He's out west though right now in Calgary visiting some family over there. So not able to see him on this day. But uh, just a little bit of a shout out there. We're going to start things off, obviously, with the Toronto Blue Jays. As you mentioned there, Benny, uh, a tough last week, uh, if, uh, if I can say so. They lost two of three at Minute Maid Park against the Houston Astros. Three of four to the Los Angeles Angels at the Rogers Center. And they just lost a tough one. Uh, in extra innings, 5-3 last night at Fenway. Benny, initial thoughts here as the Blue Jays are 27-49 and heading into this afternoon's game. So you said you said something interesting there and, you know, a tough week for the Blue Jays. At what point can we just can we just say? It's not a tough week anymore. <laughs> it's just a tough season. There's going to be point. one week where they go 6-1. and one. There and, has to be. And, and, and I hope you're right. But, but at this point, you know, this is a this is a bad baseball team. That that is that's rebuilding. You know, we had some had some solid uh, years, solid success. The nature of of uh, North American sports uh, in the salary cap era is that, that you're going to go through ups and then you're going to go through downs. Uh, but man, this down is it's tough to watch. And there were some games this past week uh, that you know it, it's just it's questionable as to you know why why am I tuning in. To these to these baseball games, there's there's no one. Uh, that, that's not fair. There there are people that are worth tuning in to on the Jays. You know, we we've got some uh, some young players that are are ready to step up and uh, who are starting to make an impact. But overall, the team is just not strong enough to compete with with solid teams like the the Astros or the Angels. And and we saw there there are different classes. There are different classes in the MLB right now. And unfortunately, we are not in, in a good class. Imagine the motivation to attend ball games without Vlad, without Biggio. If there was no, if there were no prospects that were were must see prospects, imagine the attendance rates. Like a lot of people, I, I can't imagine how many people are there just to see those prospects play every day. Uh, if they weren't there, I mean, I I think the attendance rates would plummet uh, with there. But there are some promising players that happened over the last week. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez who was another project uh, the last uh, for the Blue Jays where he was sent down to AAA, came back up to the MLB. Uh, he seemed to find his stroke uh, last uh, week. He hit three home runs last week, cut down that, that K's percentage to 19%. Reynold Gritschek as well, a veteran, getting some, some offensive con- contributions from him. I know it's a little bit inconsistent there. But one guy that has had some, some troubles with the bat, with the exception to his powers, Rowdy Telez. And I want to ask you, Benny, here, your thoughts on maybe bringing Rowdy Telez down to that AAA Buffalo and then calling him up a couple weeks later, as they have done with Teoscar Hernandez and Lord Gurriel. It seemed to work out for them. What are your thoughts? Will it work out for a guy like Rowdy? Uh, 
Uh, it's an interesting question, and I think uh, sort of what you were saying about Teoscar in terms of the, the home runs this week, you know, he's, he's starting to find his stride, obviously went down, uh, spent some time in the minor leagues trying to figure out uh, his swing after, you know, a, r- a rough start to the year. Uh, even this week, though, a lot of people were praising uh, Teoscar for starting to figure it out. Rowdy kind of did the same thing that he did. He also hit three home runs this week. The average is not there. Like you said, he is striking out. Uh, with, you know, you'd like to see uh, see these players put the uh, the ball in play, but I think I think my uh, my issue with sending Telez down versus you know, sending someone like Hernandez down uh, when Hernandez was sent down, the Jays outfield was a log jam, and and there was there was the ability to send someone like Hernandez down and and still be able to field uh, an outfield every single day that, that was not going to be hurt so much by, by Hernandez not being there. Uh, I just don't know that there's the, there's the depth that it makes sense to send, uh, Telez down. He's not really taking at bats away from anyone. He's not taking away at bats from anyone who's, uh, you know, a real part of the Jays future. So why not let him ply his trade, even if he's going to struggle face major league, uh, pitching every day, uh, all the at bats that he can get. Eventually, you hope that someone like him, uh, the more reps that they get, is going to be able to figure it out, uh, lower that strikeout rate, uh, get some more solid quality at bats in there. Hopefully, uh, the Jays' hitting coaches and hitting team can sort of help him uh, become a more polished hitter and and have some better approaches at the plate. But I I think that uh, because there's no real uh, incumbent that he's taking at bats away from. I have no issue with him staying up, plying his trade, continue to get at bats against the uh, the top level pitching, and and see if he can figure it out from there. My problem, you know, you talk about having a replacement for people like Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel. Is that a priority for the Blue Jays right now? They're not going to make a playoff push. You don't need really to worry about the the right now. The Blue Jays. I think you need to worry about investing in that future. And that you know, I think that part of that could be a a stint down in AAA Buffalo where he has the ability to play, have at-bats against left-hand pitching in AAA, where he probably wouldn't in, in the MLB level. Uh, I just think he could crack the lineup on a daily basis in AAA where winning is not as much of a priority in AAA Buffalo. It's more of the player development sake. I think with the historical success that they've had you know, in the last year with, with Lourdes Gurriel and Teoscar Hernandez, not last year, but more like the last couple of weeks – I just think that there might be a potential there for Telez and maybe uh, an opportunity for them to maybe try it out for him and see if he finds the same success as he uh, as the Blue Jays have seen from from other players this season. For sure, I, I don't think you want it to be too long though. Yeah, I, I, I think you want to you want to keep him immersed in this major league atmosphere and and you know being comfortable with being a professional every single day at the major league level. You know, if if he's got to go down and and ply some time there for a very short period and, and get some work in, you know, against left-handed uh, pitching like you, like you talked about. Um, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I, I just think the, the experience of pitching or of, against playing, playing against uh, major league level pitching every day, it, it's just invaluable, especially for someone so young in their career uh, who has shown that they can be a brilliant hitter. Again, it's about finding that consistency and, and I would rather him find consistency against uh, top-level pitching versus going down, actually smoking some some AAA level pitching, and then not really being able to catch up to major league pitching coming back up. What about, what about confidence as a factor? Because he did talk about, and Lord Gurriel had some sort of had a similar 
success, uh, like experienced the same sort of success with his multi-head game streak of, I believe, 11 last season. Perhaps it's more of a, a confidence boost. That's why you mentioned a short-term stint a week of success in AAA could give Rowdy that confidence there. The other part I'm worried about is his walk rate isn't there as well. So he's not getting on base. He's not hitting, you know, consistently. His on-base percentage is sort of, is, uh, sort of lacking as well. Um, you know, potentially you can work on that play discipline triple A where you're facing, you know, the, the less, you know, the less effective pitching. Um, but that's also, that's, you know, it's, it's up for debate. And I think, you know, rally being here, he faces major league pitching. As you said, he, he uh, has major league coaching staff to go with it through him. I think my argument's more aside of reps and confidence there and facing the work the, a lower quality to get everything polished up. But I think he can go both ways there. I think it's, uh, you know, a decision that Montoyo and management, you know, might be thinking about right now, but definitely something going forward to think about if rally continues to, you know, have some struggles at the plate. Uh, we're going to talk about the pitching side. Uh, this week was a tough week for pitching side. They did manage to get a shutout in Houston, but other than that, 15 runs against Houston, seven runs against Houston. And then you got, uh, 10 runs against L.A. on the Monday, 11 against L.A. on the, the Wednesday, uh, 5 on the 20th, and then 7 the day before. The pitching has been very uh, troubling, especially from the starting rotation. Benny, what's your take? Mike Trout was in town, and he definitely made his uh, his name known above the border. Yeah, they, they might just want to uh, throw Mike Trout's name on the side of the Rogers Center because <laughs> uh, he owns the Blue Jays. It, it, it was it's it's tough to watch, um, you know, and and it was one of those weeks where uh, sort of, it was sort of the opposite of what what you would expect from a Blue Jays team, in that you saw uh, usually very solid pitchers such as such as Aaron Sanchez or or a uh, Marcus Stroman struggle, uh, and then you had a guy like Trent Thornton come out and throw two Pitch starts. Rate. Great ball. Yeah. Uh, so again, it's just finding that that consistency from from uh, all these these players, and, and we've sort of seen Strowman, who had that phenomenal start to the season, no run support. Uh, now, unfortunately, starting to get a little more run support from the offense, and and it's teeter off, which it was always going to do. It was we expected. Un, it was that. an unsustainable yeah. start. Um, and they weren't even above five hundred with that unsustainable start, which no, <laughs> and, people even that was that was the problem. This is sort of a side note, Carmi. The fact that people actually thought that this this Blue Jays lineup could be a fringe wild card team at the beginning of the season is absolutely ridiculous and disrespectful to all of the other great teams that are in that are in the American League. That's my rant for for this episode. <laughs> uh, the pitching uh, it, it's it, it's tough when when you know you're trying to rebuild and and you've got guys that might not be. Of a of a major league quality on the roster, uh, Montoyo started to to try to figure out ways to basically just eat innings. At this point, there there's been so many issues with starters going down with injuries and and the relievers not being good enough. We've seen him use you know the opener with uh, with Edwin Jackson worked for one start, one start, and the next one. And now it's one. just been an absolute gong show yep. out there. Uh, so, you know, credit to, uh, to Charlie, he's trying, he's trying to get as much out of, out of a, a bad, uh, pitching situation as he can. It, it's just tough to watch these guys who are obviously not a lot of them. They're not, not, uh, MLB quality pitchers. 
And when you keep having to throw them out there because of, of injuries and just being in, in a bit of a rebuild, it's tough as fans to watch that. It is, for sure. And, you know, you talk about Edwin Jackson. After Derek Law had the opener his first time out, it seemed promising because Edwin Jackson went five innings subsequent to Derek Law's exit. But the second time around, he, only, he didn't even last in any. He gave up three straight bombs, I believe. Uh, just back to Edwin Jackson tendencies for the Blue Jays. He's had some success in prior years, but this year seems to be something else. Aaron Sanchez also something that is – is it an injury or is he just not pitching well? Like, Does he have a blister problem that he's not telling people about? Or is it – you know, the, or is he actually just not pitching well? Like that – I just don't know what the the, the answer is to that because he's an effective pitcher until these blister situations start coming in. So I think there could be a blister implication as well. What, what are your thoughts on Aaron Sanchez? Uh, sorry, I just want to go back for back one to Edwin Jackson. To, uh, to Edwin Jackson. Oh, yeah. um, if, you, if you had to guess, what was his ERA this past week and what was his whip this past week, Edwin Jackson? Well, he only lasted two-thirds of an inning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> I don't know. I would have to. His whip, he gave up three home runs. I bet you he walked. I, I bet you his whip was probably, well, you got to also take that factor. I bet you it was probably like 12, his whip. And his, it was exactly 12. 12. Yeah. His whip was 12, and his ERA was 94 and a half. <laughs> That's a tough one. That's a tough week. It's not, yeah. yeah, it's just terrible. Uh, Aaron Sanchez, interesting. Uh, interesting situation, and it has been ever since the blister issues came about. Um, and, and, you know, obviously you and I are, are not close with the team and, and we'll never know whether or not there's still a, a medical issue there or not. We can only yeah. speculate on it. Maybe ask Anderson just for a high five next time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Carmi, I'm, I'm sort of going to, you know, throw a question back, back to you. Is it time to make him a bull, a bullpen arm full time? We talked about this on episode three of Thrun and we both conclude that it's time to bring him back to the bullpen. He was effective there. He didn't have any blister issues there. He's not going to play seven or five to seven innings a game or every five days there. He's going to have to pitch 20 to 30 pitches at max whenever he comes out for an outing. So his load significantly de- decreases. And it seems like his fastball is his best pitch, and that's most important in the bullpen, as you as you know. Uh, you don't have to rely on those, those other uh, pitches in your arsenal. You can focus on one or two pitches and be effective because you're only going through the order at least one time or at the, at the most one time. Uh, so I think Aaron Sanchez going to the bullpen is – is a long-term solution. However, who do you replace with all these injuries? Who do you replace in the starting rotation? Matt Schumacher's out. Uh, even a guy like Sean Reed Foley's out with injury right now. Who do you replace if you have to move those guys? And that's, the, I think, the biggest problem right now. Does it really matter, though? But the, it, the season, the season's done with. Right. You, it's, you can bring up whoever you want. You, you can you can sign whoever you want off waivers. Yeah, it's sort of what Montoyo is doing with Edwin Jackson right now. At this point, it's just about getting through the season, eating innings. Yeah, um, I, I think you've got to protect Sanchez if you decide you're not going to trade him, uh, and even if you are going to trade him, you, you still have to protect him to, to increase his value. Um, and I think putting him putting him in the bullpen does that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's it's all about getting to the end of September at this point, <laughs> and and however you have to do that with keeping your prized assets. Yeah. Uh, so the young, the young kids, and then Stroman and, and Sanchez, as healthy as he possibly can. That's that, that's right. where I see for sure. Going. I'm always down for going to the minor league system, especially right now, where you can just basically pickpocket a guy in the roster and call him up, as long as it doesn't impede on their development. So I don't want to prematurely call anyone up, even if they're playing effectively in AAA. 
you know, leave them down there. I think Pannon is also not on the 25-man roster right now, if I can remember correctly. So there's an option there. Uh, Aaron Sanchez, the only problem is if, if you bring him to the bullpen, for the Blue Jays' sake, it significantly decreases the value of a pitcher. You can get a lot more for a starter, but if you are not pitching well and you can't even make it through three innings, you're not going to get any value anyways for a guy like that. So Yeah, I, I, and again, I, I don't mind not going down to the minor league system. I don't mind doing what, what we did with Edwin Jackson and – and you know, finding uh, a starter that no one wants yeah. on the roster just to just to eat. Well, well what will it be? A hundred innings over yeah. the course of the rest of the year. Uh, if he can make it through the first, <laughs> if, he, if he can make it through the first with a whip less than less than twelve, less than twelve, uh, or an ERA sub sub one hundred, sub one hundred, that'd uh, be nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that that's sort of what I would like to see in terms of Sanchez. There's no sense throwing him out there if he is. If he is hurt, like that, that just doesn't make any sense to me. So I, I struggle to think that there is an issue. I think he's just run into a to a bit of bad form, which all, all good pitchers do do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so. He had a decent start to the season as well. He had one of the yeah. lowest DRA. So, um, you know, if he keeps his walks down, I think his control is his biggest issue right now. If he can sort of have the confidence to throw his pitches inside the zone without worrying about contact, uh, I think he'll be affected down the road. I think that's his biggest problem right now. We're going to move on to the next uh, – you know, current event at the that happened over the last week. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He gets the call to the home run derby. An exciting time because he has a lot of power to feature to fans. But from a perspective of of a team management, do you like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. going out there in the home run derby? I absolutely love you it. You love it. This is fantastic. <laughs> uh, so I I don't know why as a as a Toronto Blue Jays fan who has had such a such a down year. Uh, it's, it's been tough to watch the team. This this is fantastic. You know, you get you get to showcase your star asset on on the stage when uh, everyone's watching the MLB. Uh, and I feel like because of how bad the Blue Jays have been, the Vlad uh, excitement has sort of taken a, a little bit of a backseat since he's come up. And this will just be a way to to put it back, you know, where it deserves to be. Uh, again, there are, there are some, um, people who, who might not like it. You know, there, there's been some, uh, criticism of the home run derby, you know, ruining some swings and, and the curse of the home run derby in the past. Um, at the end of the day, this is, this is a lost season anyway. So if Vlad does this and then struggles for the next week or two afterwards, it is, it is what it is. I'm, I'm really happy to see him go out there. And, uh, and and represent uh, Toronto and and obviously a guy who loves mashing the ball as much as he does. This is something that he will want to do. So I have absolutely no issue with it. I, I think it puts uh, Toronto in a good light, being able to showcase their prime asset to the MLB world, and and it's obviously obviously something that he wants to do as well. So mutually beneficial for everyone, and it'll be great for the uh, the All Star weekend. As well, it would be great to have someone like him. It gives Toronto home. fans incentive to actually watch the All Star Weekend this, this, this is year. Very true. It comes full circle as well. Vladimir Guerrero or Vladimir Guerrero Senior, a part of the Home Run Derby, and Junior was able to be on the field for that, and now he's able to participate. I do agree with you on that. On that, the aspect of takes the pressure off a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Junior. It's time for him to have fun, uh, sort of a different perspective on on the season. You can actually look at it, and now he's. Sort of having that excitement, right? Uh, that excitement, that the emotions that come with being a part of the home run derby, definitely give him an uprising uh, on emotions as opposed to more of a damper some season above the border. Uh, but I'm again, 
I don't know if you want to touch a, a young player's swing. That's the only problem I have. And Alex Rios was a guy. He was a he hit he had the home run derby. He was a great player at Toronto. After that, he had a struggling season that year with the Blue Jays, and then the year after that, he couldn't even find much there. Now I don't know how much you can attribute to the home run derby itself, or if it was just you know a streak that he had that he hasn't that he couldn't find later in his years. Uh, but a young player like that, he's trying to figure out his swing in the MLB as it is right now. It's not like he's hitting 300 right now in the MLB. I know he's had some streaks. He he's had some ups and downs, but I'm just a big advocate for it. like you know. You're trying to work on his swing. I don't want to take a step back. But, again, as you mentioned, Ed, there are some benefits there that, uh, you know, the emotion aspect, the aspect of having that, you know, getting a guy that's in his teens still, you know, being able to to uh, to have the opportunity to work, to play in the home run derby definitely is a moment that you wouldn't give up on. But what are your thoughts on taking that step back in the progression on his swing? So – I don't think there's anything in there in terms of, you know, it, it, it's one one day where he goes out. And if you watch all of his batting practice, it's a home run derby anyways, when he just heads out for batting practice and, and crushes dingers. I don't see how it's going to be any different. So I, I'm, I'm not worried about that at all. Uh, again, this, this is a guy who, uh, you know, you, you talked about uh, he, he is – might 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 have been a little cold sometimes throughout the year in term, terms of hitting for for average or on base percentage. I will say, uh, of anyone on the Jays who has more than 150 at bats, he's actually third in batting average, which is crazy. Well, on the Blue Jays, on the Blue Jays. Uh. <laughs> um, but I, again, I, I I just think you know he does it anyways in in batting practice, and he and he's such a strong guy. I've absolutely no no issue or concern about his uh, his swing being changed by this. Again, you know a, a lot of these guys, the home run derby, if it impacts him at all, it's a very very temporary uh, change. You know, this is a one night event, so I, I I have absolutely no issue with it at all, and I, I don't see see any. It's not. It doesn't happen to everybody. Nope. nope. It's. And a guy like Vladdy, you can't teach the discipline. That's not going to go away. His ability to lay off pitches and, and keep at-bats lengthy won't go away. It's mostly just the swing that's the problem. But the, the fundamentals that Vlad has will not uh, definitely dissolve because of his home run derby experience. So, you know, it's definitely going to be a fun time for him. Hopefully he is successful there. Hopefully he, you know, represents Toronto well with some big dingers to, yeah. to left field and he can find some power. He's, he's focused on finding power up the, up the middle. He's hit some dead center home runs. A lot of them, his first career home run was dead center. He's, he's had some success there, which is promising as well. He's not relying on the pole happy type of hitter that we've seen in other uh, power hitters on the blue Jays. It, uh, it is in Cleveland, correct? The all-star game uh, this year. Yes, I believe so. So a bit uh, of a, bit of a higher, higher fence out in left field. Oh yeah. In, yeah very uh, true. Cleveland. A little deep to the uh, center part of the especially center left center. That's a big. That's yep. a far ways away. So uh, I actually. So um, this might be funny for those of you who uh, listen to part of my take and know about the uh, the bet that uh, Big Cat and PFT have with Christian Yelich, but Christian Yelich uh, might have a huge advantage as a uh, as, as a, a left hander as a yeah. lefty at, at this uh, this home run derby. So and Cody Bellinger is going to be there. Cody Bellinger as well. Yep. That's going to be. Uh, Definitely a uh, a fun home run derby, especially right now where power hitters are sort of dominating the major leagues now. So it's definitely going to be – it's always a fun experience for sure, but having the Blue Jay there definitely provides some, uh, you know, some sort of connection with Blue Jay fans. So it's definitely going to be a fun, exciting time for Blue Jay fans there. We're going to go 
Next, around the MLB, on a subject here that I have a, a problem with, I think the Yankees are just bullying at this point. But the Yankees did a, an acquisition last week, or you know, in the last ten days, where they acquired uh, Edwin Encarnacion from the uh, Seattle Mariners for really not much. They gave up a, a prospect for him there. Um, what are your thoughts on the Yankees getting Edwin Encarnacion and then sending down Clint Frazier? Uh, subsequently, uh, as a result of that transaction, uh, I, I really have have no issue with with what happened. Obviously, uh, it's tough for a player like like Frazier to be to be sent down. I don't think he saw it coming. Uh, anytime you get an opportunity to add a veteran like an Encarnacion uh, for relatively cheap, like like you said. Uh, anytime you get an opportunity to make your team better like that in a in a year that that the Yankees are are going to be able to compete, I, I think you have to take it. And it's one of those things where yes, sucks for Frazier. It it, it really does because because he had been playing some some good baseball. I I think the the experience and uh, the the strength and. The success that Edwin has had in the past, especially in the AL East, I think you you have to give him the benefit of the doubt there. Uh, leave him on the roster. Great roster the Yankees are, oh, are rocking right now. You want to hear this projected lineup when Judge and Stanton are, are fully healthy? You know what? I would love to hear it. You want to hear this? Aaron Hicks leading off. Aaron Judge buying second. Gary Sanchez third. Giancarlo Stanton fourth. Luke Boyd fifth. Edwin Encarnacion sixth. Didi Gregorius seventh. Glaber Torres is hitting eighth in this lineup. I would take him third in the Blue Jays lineup. And then DJ LeMahieu rounding out the order. What a, a potent offense from one through nine. They can beat you. But a lot of the the lot of the the sort of the criticism that came along with Clint Fraser was his defense. He made a couple big errors that opened up ball games that probably shouldn't have been opened up uh, when he was playing the outfield. So that he went to the designated hitter role. He was hitting 280, you know, or yeah, let me get these numbers right. 283 with a, a 513 slugging, 118 weighted runs created plus. He was doing his job. How much can Edwin actually do that, like the incremental offense that you would receive from Edwin at this age? Would you do much better than Clint Frazier has done over the past couple of months? And he's playing DH. Is Edwin going to play anywhere else but DH? I mean, I feel like this is a an addition that – in my mind, you're getting maybe a little bit more. You're getting more veteranship from Edwin, but they have veteranship there. I, I, it's the Yankees. They have the poise of any ball club at this point in time. Uh, the question becomes right now: like, is Clint? Is this an unnecessary transaction? I mean, I think Clint Fraser could provide you everything Edwin could have, provided he continues this this trend of hitting well, hitting 280, etc., from the DH spot that Edwin could provide from the DH spot, and defense wouldn't have been a consideration because Clint plays in, as a designated hitter. I just think that Edwin provides the 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 um, veteran experience and the leadership. I know I know you said they, they've got a lot of uh, a lot of veterans on on their team, but let's be honest. You know, you're you're in a tight situation, uh, bottom of the ninth. You know, you, you, you need a hit. You need even a home run. Uh, would you rather have Clint Frazier up or would you rather have Edwin Encarnacion up? And I'm taking Edwin every single day of the week. Uh, proven 
over and over again that he can come up clutch in big situations. Uh, when you look down the lineup card and see Edwin Encarnacion hitting sixth, like that, that's a that's a mental block to any other team out there in the major leagues, more so than I think if you saw Clint Frazier uh, hitting sixth. So I, I, I just think that, uh, yes, it might be might be a small improvement. I, I think it is an improvement over the lineup that they that they currently have. Uh, and, and it's just the, the intangibles that he provides as well as the, you know, uh, the statistical capabilities that he has shown that he's able to produce in past years might be a bit of a down year, uh, this year. Uh, but, but he definitely has the capabilities to, to show that, that this transaction is worth it. And I, I, I think anytime you get a chance to, to add a player like that at the low cost that they did, I think you have to take it. So with the cost and with the, the, the benefits that Edwin does provide, I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from. If you want a guy at the plate, Game 7, October, World Series, April, October 31st, I'd rather take Edwin over Clint Frazier, especially because he, you know, he's, he has more of a, that, that ability to come in the clutch. You remember the, the wild card game where Edwin hit the home run off? Oh, I was uh, just about to make a joke about that. Uh, beat me to it. Beat me to, hey, you beat me to a couple things here today as well. <laughs> so I got to get some wins here. But what kind of a message does it send to these young guys? Clint Fraser, you know, he's a guy that's come across a lot of adversity. You're hitting 280 now. You're feeling like you're, you're, feeling like you're starting to figure it out. He's had some concussion problems, as you're very familiar with. You're starting to figure it out. You're hitting well. You're hitting 280. 280's the best average on the Blue Jays if he was on the Blue Jays right now. And you're getting sent down to AAA. What kind of message does it send to young players in the Yankees organization right now? It sends a message that they are looking to win world championships. And it, it might not seem like uh, uh, Clint Frazier is definitely in a tough position. And, and, I, uh, and I, I, I don't envy, envy him at all. It's, uh, it's a very difficult scenario and, and situation to be put in. But ultimately... The Yankees, by making this move, have said, you know, we, we want to win championships. We're going to better our team if we get the opportunity to do so. Uh, unfortunately, Frazier was the uh, the casualty that had to uh, that had to suffer because of this. But I think uh, I think it sends a strong message to the rest of the team uh, about you know this is what we expect. We we expect greatness from our from our players, and and we expect championships. And and ultimately, that's uh, that's the only way that the Yankees. Uh, brass and, and all their fans are, are satisfied, and the Yankees are making moves in order to in order to, to uh, pursue that. And my other question is, why not send somebody else down? Why is it Clinch Fraser specifically? You can use him as a pinch hit appearance uh, when you need a, a timely hit, or you can use him on day offs to give guys rest. Why not send a guy like Talkman down, who hits like two thirty? He's you know he's not really establishing himself as a as a solidified uh, you know major league player. Why not send another guy? He's in the outfield too, so it's not like it's a different position that you're sending down. Why not send a guy like him down as opposed to a guy that's hitting 280? So again, I'm not overly familiar with the uh, the Yankees roster, so I can't, or maybe the, the depth part of their roster at least. So I, I can't really comment on that. Um, so again, again, it, it's tough, and and I I don't envy the position that uh, that Frazier is in. Uh, ultimately, someone had to had to be the casualty. It, it's disappointing that it had to be him. But when you have a team as as strong as the Yankees are, 
uh, unfortunately, these decisions are are going to have to be made, and, and good players are going to have to be sent down uh, if your team is good enough to compete for a championship. Yeah, no, I, and now there's a lot of pressure on the Yankees. You have the Rays, who are uh, a team that they can win games. That just you know, not even by just talent alone, but by the way they play. They have a they have a, a system in the works that can manufacture runs, which is huge in the playoffs when you're playing against the top three pitchers of the best team's rotations. Just to give you a little bit of insight on Mike Talkman, he's hitting 212, four home runs, 14 RBIs, and a 699 OPS. Why isn't he getting sent down, Benny? Why isn't he getting sent down? Like, why are you sending down a guy who's figuring it out at the MLB right now and you don't send down a guy like Mike Talkman? What's the benefit to Mike Talkman in this situation? He hits left-handed. 212 hitter to a 280 hitter? I mean, even if you give guys days off, you want you don't want to put a two twelve guy in there. Like you, you got you got a guy like Clint Fraser in. You give Edwin a day off. It's almost like you're gonna you're gonna get the same offensive production, if if not a little less than Edwin would provide you. This two twelve to two eighty guy is night and day at the plate. Six ninety nine OPS, Benny. Six ninety nine OPS. So 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 I don't mean to, don't mean to burst your bubble. I'm looking at the Yankees uh, active roster right now. I don't see a Mike Talkman on there, uh, so I'm not sure. Not sure if there's or if he's been sent down recently or uh, or something happened. Uh, but I don't currently see him on the on the active roster. The time that I was making my notes, he was on his last game was on June 16th. Okay, so he has played. So he since has the... he has played since Clint Frazier right. was sent down. Yes. So again, very valid argument. Very valid. Why aren't you sending him down at that time of the transaction? Then Edwin Canacion. That's my biggest question that I think is still left up for air. Um, the other question is, what happens if the Yankees don't win a World Series? Because it's it's a legitimate threat that they might not. It's not like they have a clear path. The Houston Astros are still very dominant. Um, you know, with Michael Brantley in acquisition, they're still getting better. Uh, and we're not even counting the, the NL who have, you know, the Dodgers are still always a factor. You have the, uh, the Braves or the Phillies. What happens if they don't win the World Series out of this? You know, is there any implications or any consequences to it? No, I don't think so. I, I think, the, I think the, uh, they, they've done a good job of making it clear that World Series are their expectation, are their expectations, and sometimes it just doesn't work out. Uh, the last comment I'm going to make about it, I'm looking through the Yankees' active roster right now. Uh, a lot of veteran guys on there. Could be very difficult to send some of those contracts to the minor leagues without exposing them to waivers. That's the only thing that I'm uh, that I'm thinking in terms of looking uh, looking at this. I'll put Talkman on waivers. So, so again, I'll I, I, I don't know who Talkman was uh, was sent down mm-hmm. to bring uh, to bring up. Um, but again, you know, contract situations are always, always difficult and, and maybe it's a sort of a sign to, uh, uh, to Frazier that by sending him down, you know, they value, uh, having him in the, in the future. They didn't want to trade him. Um, but you know, he's the casualty right now, but he's still a big part of their future plans. Maybe, maybe that, maybe that's what this move was, was, uh, potentially because my next question was, is Fraser potentially a piece that they're willing to part ways with in order to get better, uh, get another starter potentially? Uh, their bullpen is already pretty solidified, but perhaps get another starter to make up for some of the the injury losses that they've had so far this season. I mean, uh, Severino's out with an injury right now. 
is Clint Fraser available on the market? It's a very good question. Uh, I'm not, you know, only only people in in Yankees organization are the are GM know world that. know. And in yeah. the GM world know that. I have to think that some teams have, have inquired about him and and have wanted to see if he's available because, as you said, great talent. Uh, you know, playing really well this year. If he is on the market. Uh, again, I think he's going to command uh, an MLB-ready player that is going to help with a, a playoff run, um, or you know, a, a ton of ton of prospects. Yeah. So uh, again, I think you have to imagine teams are are tuning in and, and sort of gauging the interest, but whether or not uh, the Yankees are willing to move him is another another thing. We'll definitely have to see how Clint Fraser is dealt with on a managerial perspective going forward this season. Maybe he does. End up getting called up in September, proves himself, and then gets on that that roster for the playoffs. You know, we'll never know, but we'll see how like, how he's dealt with going forward. Mike Totnick, though, like why is he even on the <laughs> roster uh, when Clint Fraser? I put this guy in waivers. I bet you nine times out of ten he gets cleared. You look at that every every statistic. Mike Totnick. <laughs> that's a tough one. That's a, that's tough, a tough one, one. for a Clint Fraser. The I talk think, man. The talk man. More like the lucky man that like stays on the 25-man roster. I, maybe that's why Clint Fraser was so mad. He's probably looking at the roster going, hey, you guys got Mike Talkman on this. I, I don't know why he's still on here. Uh, we're going to move on to and the last topic we're going to talk about. It's AL East related as well. The Tampa Bay Rays, who all also having a very good season so far. In terms of wins, losses, maybe not on the attendance rates. And they have explored the option of a two-city team in future years to come. What are your thoughts on that? What, what does it even mean? Are they going to are they going to be the Tampa Bay Rays for the first half of the season? So just to give you some background, the plan is to make the Tampa Bay Rays Tropicana Fields their home for the first half of the season, then they move to Montreal in the second half of the season. Do they rebrand between like in the first half or the second half? Are they still the Tampa Bay Rays wherever they go uh, in the second half of the season? Do they wear the Tampa Bay Rays road jerseys or do they go to the Montreal Expos? There's a lot of questions in the air, but fundamentally, what's your thoughts on the actual you know? strategic uh, side of things for the Tampa Bay Rays? Uh, it's fascinating. Like, to be able to have a professional sports team occupy two completely different markets. Countries. Countries. It's and uh, it, it, It's going to be, I mean, if it happens, I, I think we're very, very preliminary at this point. Like, I don't think this is going to, by any means, you know, is going to happen anytime soon. Uh it's a super interesting thought to uh, to consider. So, like you said, uh, the thought would be they play the first half of the season in Tampa Bay. Obviously, you know, weather's not an issue in uh, in the trop. Well, that the dome. god-awful dome. <laughs> um, so then, you know, if they explore playing in Montreal, do they use the facility where the Jays have, have played their preseason games? Again, a domed facility. Uh do they, you know, build a build an outdoor stadium if if it's only, if they're only going to go there for the nice part of the season? Uh, I think there's a lot a lot at play here. A lot of questions. A lot of questions, uh, which is why it's in an exploratory phase right now. Um, the answers are going to be really interesting to yeah. see what the answers to all these questions are going to be. Again, going back to will they be the Rays or, or the Expos? I have to think that it will be continuous throughout the season, probably as the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, but you know, maybe maybe it brings light to a whole new franchise. Maybe they they decide and to start. That was my next question: was a two city team? 
it's a test if, if this does go through. It's a test for Tampa Bay to, to see what the market's like in Montreal. And if it's, you know, night and day versus attendance rates, perhaps you, you focus and relocate permanently to Montreal. And if you do this, this two-city team, the MLB gets to see, okay, maybe Oakland. Explore other options who are struggling. Oakland's struggling right now. Uh, so this could be beneficial for Montreal if they take advantage of this and if this even happens. My question is, well, this is in two different cities, two different countries. It's not like it's in two different cities located in Florida. How hard, like, how hard is it to be for fans to stay emotionally attached to a team who's not going to be there for half the time uh, so far apart? Again, we won't know until that first season. I, I mean, don't I don't think, think it's going to affect Tampa Bay. The rates are, I mean. It's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty it's, bad. It's, it's pretty pretty terrible. But can you see the, like, I think potentially Montreal might not get their, their full fan support maximized because of this half and half. Um, but it's definitely an interesting consideration. This hasn't happened in any of the other four major sports leagues. I just don't know how this is going to logistically work. The, the logistics will be the biggest the biggest problem um, that, that they have to, uh, to sort out. Uh, the one thing that it will do, it makes the AL East a lot more geographic sensible right all the uh, north or the the, the northeastern part of the, the United States and the central Ontario eastern part exactly. of Canada um, so that, that's one good thing that would come out of it uh, you'd only have to go down to the trough for you know you wouldn't have to go down there as often and maybe they, the blue they Jays, have to come up maybe the blue Jays never visit the trop yeah. and they only play their games when they play against the month in the Montreal Stadium for, for, for attendance reasons that would be awesome uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it would be, it's positive from that perspective and, you know, people have waited for baseball to come back to, uh, to Montreal ever since they left to become the, uh, the nationals. And obviously the, the Blue Jays preseason games have gotten a lot of fan support. They, they've, they've done very well since they started, uh, playing in Montreal. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if th- there's that same buy-in for a team that's going to be there 50% of the year. The only problem is it's only two games in Montreal during the exhibition games versus 81. Not to mention that if Montreal Canadiens ever went on a playoff run, that, you know, I've been to Montreal. I've talked to Montreal people. It's a religion there. And they don't have any other things competing with Montreal Canadiens. They have an established brand there. There's no Toronto Raptors. There's no Kawhi in Montreal. If I saw a playoff run for the Montreal Canadiens, I think April, June, that Olympic Stadium would be empty. So I, I mean, I don't think that they that they play any games until it's right. over. Right. Uh, I'm and, thinking and more of a of a permanent location thing, and for sure, but yeah, that, that's definitely fair. And the nice thing about uh, about exploring this option is you'd only need to sell 40 games, right? Or 40, yeah, for I guess it would be 40, 40, 41. 41. Yeah. Um, definitely an interesting, interesting thought. Even you know, could you even try it for a temporary? Basis and try it for a year just to see just to see what yeah. it's like. Um, so a lot of a lot of uncertainty, but definitely some some exciting exciting considerations. This this Tampa well. Bay attendance problem is it's, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You're you're literally have a team top of the AL East or fighting for the top of the AL East with the Yankees, and you can't even fill it in half every on a on a daily basis. Not, not even close to half. Not even close. It's, uh, it's embarrassing. It looks like a, I bet you the Buffalo Bisons get more attendance <laughs> than the Tampa Bay Rays. There have been more people in Jurassic Park during oh, the Raptors. Yeah, for sure. Than uh than in than at the Trump. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty embarrassing for a for a great baseball team. Yeah, it's some, embarrassing. Some exciting baseball. 
But uh, attendance rates is another discussion for another day. Probably one that's coming up going forward. But great to have you on this show, Benny. It was a great discussion. We had some good talks on a lot of topics on a busy week in the major leagues. We'll have to have you on more. Uh, but for you uh, listeners out there, feel free to leave your comments at the hottakesnetwork.com. This podcast where it will be posted. Feel free to, to uh, let us know your thoughts on Twitter as well. Uh, we do frequently post on Twitter there. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next time for Episode 5 of The Hot Corner.